Good morning. My name is Pastor Moore. Uh, it's good to have you with us here online for Regina Apostolic Church Sunday morning service. And I'm happy to be able to speak to you. We trust that you've had a great week and you've sensed the presence of the Lord. I want to talk to you today about something that I find to be extremely important in the church and that sometimes gets uh, short shrift, if you will. It just gets set aside. If you met somebody inside or just outside your church building, if you happen to be a church-going person, and as you were coming in, they asked you where you were going, and you might respond to them saying, well, I'm going to church. Dear man, would you like to come with me? And uh, if they asked you then why you're going to church and what this was about, uh, what it means to go to church, you might say, well, it's what my family and I do every Sunday, except, of course, when the riders are playing. We don't do it that Sunday. If you continued to press you by asking, uh, but why is coming into this building each weekend a ritual in your life? You could respond by saying a number of things, and probably would. You'd say uh, that you like the people. You may say the music is great. There's classes for our children. The coffee's pretty reasonable. Speaker's not bad. Could be any one of a number of those things. All of those answers may be true, but they're not the real reason. And if they are the real reason that we gather as Christians, then there's a problem. You see, there's only one reason and one reason specific that we attend church, that we do anything that's Christian-wise because we're Christians. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul the Apostle lays out exactly what the gospel is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says this in verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. He goes on in verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for your sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas. Cephas is, is Peter. Then he, he appeared to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive to this day, though some have fallen asleep or some have died. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, Paul said, last of all, to, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. This, what Paul said, is the good news or the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to the earth to die on the cross for our sins. He was crucified, he was buried, he was resurrected, and he appeared to those people that Paul mentioned. This one truth, just this one truth, has literally changed nations. It's turned hearts from a place of darkness, opened prison doors, it's healed the sick, it's raised the dead. Its power has stopped the mouths of lions, it's melted the hearts of kings, it saved the lives of millions and millions and millions of people. It's actually healed families, it's healed limbs, it's chased sickness, and it's cast out demons. It's our hope, it's our only hope, and it's the world's only hope. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reality is the world needs a Savior. 
There's no question about that. If we ever thought that we needed a Savior, we've probably thought more of it today in these days that we live in than in any other time. One who can come and reconcile us, redeem us, help us, change us, bring us life. And the scriptures tell us in John 3.16 that that's the reason that the Father sent his Son. He saw a great need on earth. He knew this in his omniscience. He was going to send his Son and responded that way to send his son to the cross so, the, so that the Lord could redeem us and redeem the world from sin and from destruction. That's the story of the gospel. If you take the gospel out of the scriptures, you have no story, you have no purpose. If you take the hope of the gospel out of your life, you have no hope. And if you take the hope of the gospel out of the world, it's lost. There's an ongoing and increasing need in the world that we live in for hope and for truth. People often put their lives in their destiny where they were promised great things only to fall further behind than where they started because they find out that their promises didn't come to pass. Even Christians are looking outside the gospel to find hope. Many of them no longer believing that this truth is true. I want to take a few minutes today to remind each of us of the reality that the gospel brings into our lives and to any part of humanity that dares to believe it. Let's take a couple of points just as by way of reminding us. Number one, the gospel says that there's only one way for us to get to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. In other words, the only way to go to heaven from this earth is through Jesus Christ. John 14, 1 says this, Jesus speaking, let your, heart, your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to repair, I prepare a place for you in heaven. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to, to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. And then he makes this statement. Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. He said, if you'd known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen me. Let me tell you something. That's the most offensive statement that Jesus could have made in one breath. No one comes unto the Father except through me. No one else dare make that claim, and yet he said it, and it's absolutely the truth. Some people will chafe at the idea of saying that he's the only way to get to heaven. But if no one else is able to save you, Jesus is the only one. And his claim to be the only one is actually a tender and a loving statement to those who are in need. Not simply something to be offended by. Remember, God has no plan B. There isn't a plan B if this doesn't work. If the gospel of Jesus Christ does not work on this world, on this world to implement uh, his gospel if it's insufficient to do it, then there's no plan B. There's nothing else that God has set up. It's our only hope, and it's never failed to date. People fail. The organized church fails. There's no question about that. I lead one. I can tell you that just because of its leader alone, there's opportunity for failure. But if our hope is in Jesus, we'll never be disappointed. That's the gospel, my friend. Number two. The gospel says that the death of Christ on the cross is the only sacrifice capable of cleansing us of our sins and making us into children of God. It means that you and I can stop 
our feeble attempts at getting God the Father to accept us in spite of our sin. We, according to the scriptures, are accepted in the beloved. We are accepted, we're hidden, we're within the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.3 says this, and this is spoken from the message version. It says, how blessed is God and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ. He takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. Isn't that encouraging? Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of his love. Even if you don't know Christ today, even if you're not a religious person, even if you're somebody who doubts your personal validity and worth, you need to understand that he thought of you before he created the earth as we know it. He made us his, the focus of his love, to be whole and to be holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. So how was he going to do that? Verse 7, because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we're a free people, free of penalties, free of punishments chalked up by all of our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything so that we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans that he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. He did it all for us. The gospel is true and real and that's the only way that we can have our sins forgiven. You and I have no ability to make ourselves clean and pure enough to be accepted in the Father, you see. You can say, well, I've done enough good deeds and all these kind of things. But the truth is, when it all shakes down, it's not your goodness. It's the goodness of the Son of God that puts you in right relationship with His Father in heaven. The Scriptures tell us that when we accept what Jesus has done on our behalf, we receive not just forgiveness but we receive his righteousness into our lives. So when the Father looks at us as Christians, he sees us through the blood of his Son, Jesus Christ, and accepts us as fully forgiven. Not only just forgiven, though, but we're seen as justified. And what that means is we're not just forgiven, but the Father sees us as someone who has never, ever sinned. Never sinned. That'll blow your mind. That's what the gospel is about. Number three, the gospel says that the power that raised Christ from the dead lives within us and will never leave us, ever. Romans 8 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and it's the same spirit, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What's the writer to the Romans saying? He's saying that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives and resides within those of us that know Christ as Savior. When you accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, his spirit comes within you. 
When you're, before you become a Christian, the Bible says in John that the Spirit, that same Spirit surrounds us and it convicts us of our sin. It doesn't condemn us, but it convicts us of our sin and draws us to a place of accepting Christ. When we accept Christ into our heart, that same Spirit that was convicting us now comes and lives within us. It's the Spirit of Christ. And one other relationship that that Spirit has upon us is the fact that it actually is poured out on us when we're filled with the Spirit, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, according to Acts chapter 2. When we accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, His Spirit comes in us and lives, us, lives in our lives specifically. As a result, He's always, not just some of the time, not just when it's convenient, but He's always with us at all times. He never leaves us. In the good times and the bad, during trouble and celebration, during times of fear and times of rejoicing, the same powerful Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, that raised Jesus from the dead, lives within me, lives within you if you know Christ as Savior. Number four, the gospel has massive power to bring change to the people of our world. Not just salvation, but physical healings, miracles, opening of blind eyes, deliverance from demons, provision of finances or jobs or housing, transportation, the ability to see entire nations turn from godlessness to Jesus. That's how powerful this gospel is. The book of Acts is full of these kind of stories and how they came about. They came about by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit came about as a result of the gospel. John the Baptist foretold this in Matthew 3.11. He's speaking of Christ, said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I am, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And then Jesus, when he came on the scene, said in John 16, 6, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit we're speaking of, will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he'll convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see, and you will see me no longer. And finally, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. And then he said, in Acts chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, just before he was taken up into the, into the heavens, he said to his disciples, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, this Holy Spirit that comes about as a result of the gospel of Jesus Christ will reside within you and it will powerfully use you for my sake across the world. This power is present in our world because the gospel is true. The gospel is real. It comes about because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And finally, the gospel is the greatest source of hope in the world today. It's capable of outpacing all of our best attempts at making our lives better, at bringing about lasting change in the world. And I so appreciate all of the, the social justice that goes on and all of the things. And I believe the church should be at the forefront of those opportunities and seeing people uh, minister to and, and, and fed and clothed. I feel that that's, uh, that's something that Jesus would do if he was here in person on the earth. In the midst of that, though, he is the answer. It's the gospel that, that, that motivates us to go out and do those things because of a change in our life. 
And he is the only answer that's going to stick in those situations. He's the one that's going to make it work. He's the one that sticks closer than a brother. The gospel is the good news that Jesus came to earth to die for our sins, to be buried, to rise again. This good news, this gospel, outstrips the very best that we can do. There's no comparison. If you'll allow Jesus through you to be used for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, this will outstrip the very best you can do otherwise. It takes the place of striving to be accepted by your own good works. It brings hope. Here's the truth. Jesus never fails. The gospel never fails. But where there are people, they'll fail. We know that. Where there are organizations, they will fail. We know that. Where there are governments, they're going to fail. We certainly know that. The hope of the gospel always comes through, though. Jesus will always be with us. The gospel and the hope that it brings never fails. After the gospel, there is no plan B. There's no other option. It's the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and nothing else. Let me just ask you this morning, if you're listening on Facebook or on YouTube or wherever you're picking this up, let me just ask you a question. Have you ever asked this Jesus to come into your life? Have you ever taken this good news and took a chance and embraced it and said, this is for me as well? Has that ever happened in your life? Because if it hasn't, then you can know all of those things and all the power that I spoke about personally in your life. It has nothing to do with your your goodness and all of the great things that you've done. It, It doesn't matter if you go to church or not. This promise is for you. Maybe you used to follow Jesus, but you walked away. Maybe there was a time where Jesus was really real to you and you just got busy or you got hurt or something. Not sure exactly what the reason would be, but for whatever reason, you're no longer walking with Christ as you used to. Hear me. He loves you. He doesn't condemn you. He's not out keeping a list and saying if you'd done enough good things, he would communicate with you. Every day, he chases after you with his love. In fact, the Bible says the kindness of the Father draws us unto him. That's the good news of the gospel. And finally, if you do follow Christ, let me encourage you that you can be used powerfully to take this same gospel that saved your life and share it with those in our community and in our world that don't know it yet. I'm going to pray for each of you, just as we close, that if you fall in one of those categories, that the Lord, by His Spirit, that same Spirit that dwells within us as Christians, that that Holy Spirit would minister truth into your life as you're watching this. Let me pray for you. Lord, I ask that if there's anybody that's listening today, whenever they hear this, and they don't know you as Savior, and they're looking for hope, they're looking for an answer, Jesus, be that answer in their life, I pray. All of the reality of the gospel, take and apply it to their life. May they just simply say to you, Jesus, I don't know you, don't know what this is about, but I need help. Would you help me? Would you come into my life? Would you save me? Would you forgive me? Would you set up residence by your spirit there, just like this guy said you would do? Would you make yourself real to me? Would you show, you, show me that you love me? Lord, I pray that if there's people that are listening that have walked away from you, and it doesn't really matter what the reason is, although I, to them I'm sure it's significant, 
I pray that you would melt their hearts and you would show them that your love would draw them back into your presence. And that's not to say that the stuff that happened to them to make them want to leave you is answered or any of those kind of things, but that that answer will come in time. I pray, as the Scripture calls them prodigals, that those prodigals would be drawn by the love of the Father, not the condemnation of their parents or their church people, their friends or their relatives, but that the love of God through the gospel would come and minister to them. And finally, those of us that do know you, that do walk with you, I pray our heart would be open to this powerful opportunity, according to Acts 1, where we get to go and tell people about Jesus Christ as your Holy Spirit empowers us. Thank you, Lord, for that opportunity. Thank you for the chance to talk to these folks today. We just pray your blessing on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our church is open on Sundays, 9.15 for service and 11 if you'd like to come. The information about how to contact us is, is on, this, uh, on this video. Feel free to call us if you need prayer, if there's anything we can do to help you. My name is Larry. I'm the pastor. Really appreciate the opportunity to share with you today. God bless.